100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt Podcast presented by Timber Ninja Outdoors, the Mountain Buck Q&A edition. So coming back on this week, the way out these episodes work, these are different than the traditional weekly episode where I get a guest on and I interview them, we have conversations. This is just me solo answering questions that you guys have submitted to me about specific questions and or topics and I try to keep them in a short 10 to 20 minute answer to be able to have a bite-sized bit of information based on my experience to get you through your drive to work or or to your hunting spot or whatever you're doing there so if you have any questions that you would like to submit please send them to my email boadeastmeetswesthunt.com put mountain buck Q&A in the, the the title of the of the email there. So I know what emails they are. I can categorize them and be able to get through these questions. But anyways, I have, uh, some questions here that there's, well, really there's two questions here that, that I'm going to answer. And one of them comes in from Jason. Jason wrote in last season, I was able to arrow a post rut buck during the New York firearm season. I accessed the area I was hunting from the opposite side of the mountain and came in from the top. After these mature bucks get firearm season pressure from the bottoms where all the access is, does it make more sense to plan for an unconventional access in the late season with a good acorn and beech nut crop this year? It seems like I should just plan on skipping the bottom third altogether. So to answer this one first, I, I, I love... I love this question and I love the example that you gave here, Jason, because uh, it, was, it sounds like you have it, you know, figured out, or at least what I would think would be figured out from that side. And, and it's actually what I use, uh, have been using this firearm season here in PA is being able to look at where that pressure is coming from. And I've always struggled in uh, the first few days of a firearm season or anything as you're trying to figure out, especially areas that I don't have a lot of history with during firearm season, as far as where is the pressure coming from, you know, look at maps and try to, to figure it out. And you can get a pretty good idea, but until you're there and see it for yourself, it's, it's tough to be able to, to know. But uh, one, 
just hear this at the end of the, so this podcast is going to come out here a little bit after, after gun season and PA ends. But one thing that is fresh on my mind that, that relates to this, this question here is there was two different spots that I was hunting and both of these spots, I didn't spend any time in during archery season. One of them, I, I had a picture of a really big buck on a neighboring ridge during the middle of the rut and no, knew that that buck probably wasn't coming from that area, but he was looking for does. So I was trying to figure out where it lived at. And when I got into this spot, it was just absolutely crazy with hunting pressure uh, from tree stands to trail cameras to everything else. But the sign was there and actually the, the hunting pressure and the way the cameras were set up told me that that there was a big buck in there and uh and looking at it the way that it set up this was a different spot where it was top access and the only way to access is from the top is coming across and everybody was set up looking like they're walking in the same direction doing the same things and what what i ended up doing was coming in a little bit different i had to start on the top but i basically dropped right down over the hill in the mornings and while the thermals are still pulling down on uh kind of a north facing slope and worked my way down below this thick cover uh, that was laurel on the side hill and then came up from the bottom and would get up on the benches that i wanted to be on because at first when i was coming from the top i did blow out some deer but uh, some does that were there, but I wasn't seeing the sign that I was, that I was really looking for, but coming up from the bottom, uh, I started finding a lot more sign of deer that are, that are in there and actually, uh, and started finding some buck tracks and everything there. And I think that as I, at the time of recording this, I haven't went through and executed that plan yet, but I think that I could get into some deer, uh, some bucks by coming in from a different access. So I was just thinking about that. And the other, the other example that I have from here recently was an area that I have, I haven't ran a camera in there in two years, but I used to, and all of the, the data that I had were bucks lived in this particular spot. I think I might've actually even talked about it on a previous Q and a, uh, that, that I was planning on checking this area out. And I did, I went in there and found, well, I, I saw four bucks the first day coming in, uh, right, right next to this big scrape that I had found and just coming along passed on a small nine point younger deer and another smaller buck. And then there was a big one there with it, but the third deer had seen me and I was just sitting on the ground and I was only 40 yards from them and they, they took off and I didn't have a shot in the cover. But nonetheless, this spot was a place where I didn't find out until the next day, which was Saturday, that there was a ton of pressure, but not particularly at that that specific location on the top because you had to drop down a valley and come up the other side and then work down this ridge. And it just, it was a little bit tougher to get to, but there was people driving uh, some of the thickets near the road or the flat top on the other side, but it was like this little isolated pocket there. So honestly, really the, the way to, to answer this question and was, the 
Sport and Forge app utilizes years of military background and machine learning to pull from millions of data points to accurately predict deer movement with over 30 years of GPS collar data, trail camera data, academic, and state research. The app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery, mapping, journaling, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. The latest update is huge. One feature that I'm using a lot during the rut is LiDAR. LiDAR basically removes the trees from the landscape and allows you to see every nook and cranny, logging road, boulder, etc. With some areas having one meter data, which just means that you can see any deviation in the land as small as three feet. During the rut, I will look for logging trails that intersect with key terrain features such as ditches or draws to funnel deer movement. Use the code East Meets West to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. I think unconventional access and thinking about it differently is is extremely important, especially when there's pressure. And looking at exactly what Jason talked about is like, where is that pressure coming from? The roads are in the bottom and they're most likely and just thinking of how, you know, a buck or a deer in general, what they're trying to do is just survive. They're trying to survive every single day and they're probably sitting there on that side hill up high looking down they can see everybody accessing from the bottom they skirt up over the top before they even know it coming from the backside and dropping down over you know whether that's you have to wait until the thermal switch or do do whatever it's just thinking of things differently i don't think there's an exact you know rule of thumb or you have to do this in this scenario or anything when it comes to hunting around pressure it's really just trying to read what is there in front of you and figure out how you can play off of that and have some reasonable assumptions essentially to be able to go in and and be able to make it happen and like i said i've been i've been playing with this a lot here during gun season now i've only had like i've hunted every day of the gun season but have a couple hours some days i can hunt you know some days I'm able to, uh, there was two days I got full days. So I was able to hunt the rest of them might be two hours, might be four hours, but kind of mixing in between. And I, I've just been checking out some different areas and playing around with it and seeing how pressure is, is impacting these deer. And, and I think having a little bit of a different access and trying to understand how people are, are doing it will really help you in those, those scenarios. And, and that might throw out places that you would traditionally have hunted during archery season because of that. Or even if there is food down low, then, you know, where Jason's scenario is perfect scenario, the food's up high from the sounds of it and the pressure's coming from the low. So that, that obviously cancels out that, that lower spot. But, you know, there's some scenarios where, like I was talking about with the first example, the food was for the most part on top where the pressure is coming from. They're just not going to come out to that in daylight and and be able to check that out so that that's really important now another question i got this one is from adam he wrote in i would like to hear your opinion on how many times you should hunt a specific area and stand and is it different depending on the type of location feed area rut funnels etc and also how far away do you have to move to consider a different location Lastly, does your opinion change if you're not seeing deer blowing multiple deer out or the area you're hunting, farm country, hill country, et cetera? 
All right. So this one, I've touched on this topic before with guests and everything on, but to try to categorize it and figure out exactly how this works. Now, I don't, I don't have, you know, typically I look at it from a, you know, like say a two to four day window of how long I would hunt a specific area, you know, slash stand. Um, there's, there's a few things there. The wind directions is 100% going to dictate how long I would hunt a specific area, but also, um, what he mentioned, feed areas, rut funnels, um, my pressure, blowing deer out, all those things come into it. So to try to try to answer this question in a way that makes sense, uh, we'll start with the different types of locations. So feeding areas, uh, I, I am a little bit, I'm less likely to hunt the same tree a lot of times in a row, like as far as three, four times in a row, um, just because I feel like that they that when you're hunting those feeding areas, especially if it's in the evening and they're coming out, uh, sometimes you won't beat them before it's, you know, when it's still light out and they'll come out in the dark and trying to get out of there without spooking deer is really difficult. So it, there's definitely times when I'll blow deer out and it's like, okay, now they're starting to be on to me and I might only move a few trees or I might move a hundred yards or I might move 50 yards, but hunting that same tree can be kind of risky, especially if you're, if you're blowing deer out in that, that specific area. Rut funnels on the other hand is different. Rut funnels. I will hunt that. I could hunt that area for a week straight if I felt confident in it and not worry, even if I am blowing deer out from time to time, because they are travel areas and different bucks are coming through looking for does. I don't worry about that as much, uh, as far as how many times I hunt that specific location. If I think it's a good area and I feel confident in it, uh, because there's doe groups on either side, or this is the only pinch on this side hill and there's some good cover here, then, then I'm going to, I'm going to hunt it quite a bit and bedding areas. I might bounce around a little bit too. If I'm hunting a scrape on the edge of a bedding area, I'll definitely hunt that for, well, as many days as I would need to, if the wind is good and I'm not blowing out deer because the, I don't find bucks bedding in the same spot in the big woods and the mountains or hill country day after day after day, even with good winds, they, they tend to move a lot. They're a little bit more nomadic. They might only use that bedding area once a week. And, and it's, it's tough to, to really throw one sit at it and be like, Oh, well, I gave it a chance. So that to me, that, that spot, I, I would hunt more depending on, again, everything really comes down to what impact are you putting on that area and with pressure as far as blowing deer out and everything. As far as coming down to, does your opinion change of not seeing deer? Uh, not really. Uh, you know, if it's a feeding area and, you know, I'm hunting on the edge of some oaks or, or something or a logging cut and I can see a little ways and there's some thick cover off to the side and I'm not seeing them after a couple days in daylight, then I might try to move a little bit. Cause even if the signs there, maybe they're just not coming out there in daylight and I need to get a little bit closer to where I think they could potentially be betting at. And 
and the time of year definitely, definitely impacts that. Like, uh, late season when food sources are, are super critical, they may have a little bit more consistent bedding spots. There's not as much foliage on the trees. They only have so many places they can bed versus earlier in the season when there's thicker cover all around and they they can be moving around and feeding on different stuff. So the, that time of the year definitely uh, affects it. And the last thing is, you know, farm country versus hill country. And that 100% changes it, in my opinion. In farm country, you can't, it seems like you, when I've hunted farm country, that I blow out deer more than I do in lower deer density areas in the big woods or just areas with thicker cover uh, that in farm country, I'm blowing out more deer, especially if you're hunting food sources and you don't have the best uh, entry and egress there. So that, that, that becomes a little bit more critical and may not hunt the same spots over and over again and be a little bit more choosy with when, when I would hunt those areas. But I'm probably not the best person to ask for that as I don't have as much experience as I'm sure a lot of other people do in, in farm country. So I hope that that helped you out there as far as hunting specific areas and stands. It's very going through the different scenarios with what does the access look like? What kind of pressure am I putting on them? Am I blowing out deer and what type of setup it is? That will all dictate how I'm doing it. Um, the last thing I will say about uh, you were talking about, you know, how far do I need to move to consider it a different spot or area and during the rut this year i hunted uh, almost two weeks in one area and really throughout that time there was only a four to five hundred yard window of where i shifted and i might have hunted eight or nine different trees or 10 different trees during that time frame some of them were 20 yards apart some of them were 200 yards this way some it all depended on what that wind was doing in that area area but i was really focusing off of some of the same things and the same doe groups the same travel routes those things so uh again i hope that helps and i appreciate everybody listening if you like the podcast helps you out a little bit please share it with your friends and family and uh, give it a rating and review with that being said i hope you have a great weekend and we will see you next week Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.